Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of F1 Chat Corner, the podcast where we bring you everything F1. Keep a beverage handy because it does get a little spicy in our discussions here. Um, the Russian Grand Prix just got over and in today's episode, we'll be talking about philosophy, uh, the South African cricket team and choking. Also joining me on this podcast is Gotham who <laughs> still hates the Russian Grand Prix and thinks it's a waste of time. I'm going to still try and convince him otherwise, but as of now, I don't think I'm winning this one. Gotham, how you doing, man? You tell me, Ansh, was it really worthwhile getting up so early to watch this race? Man, it was. It was a little worthwhile. I mean, oh, I know on. I know the Russian Grand Prix gets a lot of flack, and yes, to be honest, it is one of those races that not everyone's really looking forward to and it's one of those for the sponsors it's one for Putin it's one for uh, you know just showcasing Sochi a little bit in, the, in its Olympic stadium or whatever but uh, this race was fun I thought it was uh, it was a lot more exciting than let's say a Monaco or even um, I don't know I'm thinking Canada was actually worse than this one so yeah but Ansh the difference yeah. is this is this is Monaco this year and Canada this year are sort of one-offs. The Russian Grand That's Prix, true. it's been held for five years. And yeah, sure. I mean, you have crazy incidents like the Carlos Sainz incident. But otherwise, can you really think of anything that was really... That's true. Historically, historically speaking, the Russian Grand Prix is terrible. Historically speaking. But I think this race was fun. It had its share of action. So. But you know what? I'll let you do it. I'll let you do your race summary and then we'll talk. Well, Valtteri Bottas sort of um, got the ball rolling, uh, started where he left off last year and um, uh, put in some brilliant laps and qualifying and, and finished P1. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to see just how much Max had suddenly raised their game from the previous race from Singapore. Absolutely brilliant um, by the Mercs. Even Hamilton couldn't get close to Bottas and Ferrari yeah, and- had absolutely no answer. Absolutely. I mean, if even if there was a little bit of a glimmer of hope after Singapore that you know Ferrari might somehow stage a comeback, was just washed away by two cars that were just way, 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 way superior than the Ferraris. Um, well, Vettel yeah. never really, Vettel never really looked like he was doing anything. He was going to do anything of of note. But uh, Kimi, mm-hmm. as always, he did look really good uh, right up until Q3. And uh, sort of just chucked it away uh, towards the end there. And uh, that's how the Mercs qualified um, P1 and 2 and Vettel on P3. And a really good start actually by Vettel. Um, and, and this has to be said, Mercs are so in sync with each other that even in the even at the start of the race, uh, it was the amazing to see the slipstream was just brilliant yeah. that bought us yeah. uh, got yeah. for, for Hamilton. Absolutely brilliant. And... Um, Initially, Vettel got the slipstream and he was pulling ahead and then Bottas moved across quite smartly. And uh, Hamilton then got the slipstream and uh, Vettel really couldn't do anything about it. But uh, story of the race is, of course, Max Verstappen's drive from um, 19th on the grid to ultimately finish um, uh, P5, that was. That but, was fantastic. Uh, that was I, I th- fantastic. The more, the more interesting stat was that... Um, well, actually, two interesting stats. Um, one is that Max Verstappen actually led the most number of laps in the race, which is really interesting. <laughs> that is so interesting. From I didn't P9. even think of that, but you're right. Absolutely right. And, and to think that he didn't did finish the winner of the race is just uh, crazy. But then for, he did uh, have to stop and um, uh, get on a new set of tires. 
Uh, and the second most interesting stat was that how he made up 10 places uh, in the opening five laps. Uh, that was, was simply crazy. brilliant. That was simply brilliant. Yeah, brilliant drive was... by Max. Um, all fired up on his 21st birthday. And uh, Max Verstappen drove a brilliant race. Uh, some of his overtakes were just superb, and even Charles Leclerc's overtake. I, it's you know, Anch deciding on the overtake of the weekend. Yeah, uh, man. Your job has just got harder because I don't know if you're going to choose uh, Charles Leclerc's overtake on on Kevin Magnussen or. Uh, you're going to take one of the 20 odd overtakes that Max Verstappen did. Um this <laughs> I know that was a that was a tough one and uh, I was thinking it could be easy but uh, there was some some serious yeah. contenders for this one. Um But well what sort of really then put a dampener on on the whole thing was the uh, team orders by Mercedes. Maybe it's a coincidence that uh, all the team orders today were by Mercedes powered cars. Um Mercedes AMG of course and also Force India sorry Racing Point Force India correct uh, uh well they also had uh, a bit of team orders going on um, when they were trying to stay ahead of uh, Nico Hulkenberg and they were stuck behind Kevin Magnussen um but uh, Toto Wolff of course made the hard call uh, you could, uh, clearly see it on the screen uh where he's pushing some tactics button and um yeah uh, asking Valtteri to move over for Lewis Lewis I thought was quite gracious towards the end he he didn't really uh, celebrate or go over the top as uh, uh sometimes in the past Vettel or Michael Schumacher have done but um yeah uh, but clear 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 yeah. disappointment for Valtteri Bottas because this was actually his race uh guy who qualified on pole and the guy who was also leading the race he got the pick of the strategy calls and uh yeah of course he was following Max Verstappen but Uh Mercedes are pretty sure they're going to come out with the excuse that uh, Hamilton had a bit of a flat spot and uh he he there was something wrong with his engines that it wasn't pulling as well as he wanted to and so mm-hmm. they needed uh, Bottas's help to cover off Vettel but I think Hamilton showed that he didn't really have anything to worry about from from Vettel or rather Vettel showed that there's really nothing to worry because Uh, the kind of form that Vettel is in currently, I don't think um, anyone yeah, in Mercedes needs. It was never a threat, was it? No, I, you know, actually, for the first time, Ferrari got their strategy called just right. They timed it to perfection uh, when they called in Vettel and Hamilton was stuck in traffic, and mm-hmm. that was a brilliant. Um, that was a brilliant pit stop by Mercedes. Two point, I think it was about two point five seconds in comparison to yeah. Vettel's two point eight. And uh, a little later, of course, we saw Max Verstappen doing a 2.3 pit stop. So apparently, uh, Kimi did a got a 2.1. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So well done, Ferrari. Pretty fast pit stops happening in Russia. Yeah, 2.1 is brilliant. And Vettel made a small mistake uh, and locked up, and that allowed Hamilton to sort of catch up. And uh, there was nothing that Vettel could really do to defend. Well, he tried. uh mm-hmm. to to move across and block him but at the end the mercedes were just too good and uh, vettel had no answer so i don't know if it really makes a difference whether um hamilton at this stage has a 50 point lead or a 43 point lead right as it would right. have been if if um the team orders didn't come through but um yeah end of the day i i thought it was quite disappointing um, to see the team orders And uh, I really think it's it's time to revisit the whole debate about whether it I should agree. be banned or it shouldn't, uh, whether it should be allowed to continue. Because um, of course, teams do want to secure their finishes; they do want to ensure that they get the maximum points. But is it fair? Is it 
does it really encourage racing is this what fans are paying to see are you paying to see something that's sort of fixed in a way uh exactly. w- w- why 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 uh you know what is the whole point of it then end of the day you're here to see drivers fight it out i wanted to see lewis hamilton fight it out with bottas and try and take the lead from him uh sure they might have ended up crashing into each other but that's racing and i mean i was going to say good luck good luck saying telling nico rosberg from 2 years ago that hey move over for hamilton even if rosberg was not in a championship winning position that was never going to happen so kudos to valtteri for actually playing the team orders but uh, okay let's how about this how about we shelf that discussion for a little later let's get into the awards really quick and let me get that out of the way because this is a discussion that i really really want to have about this whole philosophy of team orders versus racing um quickly on the awards lap of the weekend this was boring man the qualifying was really really boring but i think i want to give it to charles leclerc Uh, I thought as much. Yeah, man. P5, I mean granted the Red Bulls were not in the mix but to I mean he was just doing things with that Sauber that Ericsson didn't have any answers for and just for that reason alone you kind of see what a talent Charles Leclerc is. So I'm going to give uh, lap of the weekend for his uh, actually it was his Q2 lap that got him to P5 and into Q3 quite comfortably. Um ahead of the Haas and the Force Indias which was fantastic i think i think that's the that's the lap of the weekend um overtake of the weekend you're right man this was a tough one there was some serious contenders for this i mean you could choose all the um, i don't know 15 overtakes that um, max verstappen made to get to p6 from p19 you know within seven laps or whatever it was uh there was um charles leclerc's move on the outside for kevin magnussen I think that was uh that was a pretty solid move uh, which ended up being uh a move that made sure that Leclerc was best of the rest and then there was obviously Lewis Hamilton's move on uh, Sebastian Vettel which uh, turned out to be quite quite a you know at first quite a tough one but then again he uh muscled his way past him but I think this one again goes to Charles Leclerc and I think that move was amazing I don't know I'm just so ex- I'm so excited for Charles Leclerc to just kind of uh you know get into the mix um, kind of start making these statements these moves these um, these moments that are really justifying the fact that ferrari made the right move uh, to get him a promotion for 2019 so uh, charles leclerc you got two awards right here and then uh, we have the um, um the driver of the weekend this is a tough one for me this is a very very tough one but i think i have to give it to valtteri bottas i think despite playing you know despite the fact that Lewis Hamilton won the race i think Valtteri Bottas deserved this award because he was yeah. absolutely on form all weekend yeah uh right from qualifying on pole which is never easy when you have Lewis Hamilton as your teammate and then keeping him behind and drive, driving an absolutely beautiful race the start was i mean it it just shows how skillful Bottas is not only did he make sure that he was in the lead but he also made this interesting move where he almost cut Vettel's slipstream and moved to the inside line and gave Lewis Hamilton a slipstream that i mean to to, to do that and have the uh, spatial awareness to kind of um, play the team game but also kind of play his own game and stay in the lead was fantastic i think um that is why i think now we can go back into this whole discussion of um Uh, team orders versus pure racing because it 
was a really fun race. I think Valtteri Bottas did everything he needed to to win. Um, like you said, Lewis Hamilton, 43 versus 50 points. I think he has one hand on the championship trophy regardless. So why not give Bottas the, you know, the, the lead back, at least in the final two laps or the final lap, like they did in Hungary where they tried to make a strategy happen and, you know, didn't need to or didn't work. And then in this case, uh, yeah, I mean, Vettel was never a threat, so why not give Bottas the position back? So I agree with you. I think we need to revisit this whole decision. This is not a Mercedes. I'm not blaming Mercedes or criticizing Mercedes. I think the whole philosophy of uh, team orders needs to be revisited because it really does feel quite deflating, especially for a race fan, but also for a racer and a driver because they're out there to give their absolute best at the pinnacle of motorsport. Um, and they're one of the best drivers out there. And so that to curb that racing mentality and play the team game is great. It, it helps you have a job in Formula One, but it kind of kills the whole uh, excitement of racing itself. So I think it was, you know, not necessary in my opinion. Feel, feel really, really bad for Valtteri Bottas. Visibly upset he was after getting out of the car. And also... You know, tried was consoled by Lewis Hamilton a little bit, but it almost it almost felt awkward and you know uh, kind of a formality because that was not you know that was not going to help Valtteri Bottas cheer up. So uh, all in all, I think um, team orders. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. Certainly not. And you mentioned the point about why they couldn't switch back, maybe about two laps before the end. I think the problem was that Vettel was too close. He was uh, about a second, second and a half or so. And uh, I think it would have been cutting it too close if they were to ah, try okay. and now switch back again. Fair enough. I, I'm Fair guessing enough. I'm guessing that's the reason why they chose to not uh, to not risk mm. it. But he's one of the reasons. But actually, sorry, one quick point. Actually, I just remember this. Vettel again made it easy for them to do that because remember, uh, actually, Kevin Magnussen made it easier for them because he held Vettel up for like a good 1.5 seconds. So I think... Yeah. That's what happened, right? So the gap was there, I think. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's what they were looking at. It could be, but then they've already made the decision and uh, uh, it obviously doesn't reflect very well if they were to try and change it in the last minute. But uh, still taking things into consideration, it's it's always hard to see this kind of thing. You know, I mean, as a driver, uh, what do you do? You, you drive probably, you know, this is one of your favorite tracks. He's openly come out and he said it's one of his favorite tracks. And he likes driving yeah, he enjoys there. It here. And yeah. sure, it's been a tough season for him also. I'm sure Valtteri is also gutted that uh, he couldn't be competing against Lewis for the um, for the championship. Uh, mm-hmm. But you do still want to try and win and get onto the top step of the podium and taste that champagne. But uh, and so he he deserved it and he drove a, he drove brilliantly throughout the weekend. Brilliant lap and qualifying. I mean, let's be honest. If you can put your car on pole ahead of Lewis Hamilton, you know you've driven a good lap, that you've put together a really, really good lap. I think that's what Bottas did. But then at the race as well, he he was uh, he was also in the lead. And once Max Verstappen went in the pits, he should have been in the lead. Uh, but then the team orders came through. And now as a driver, it's up to Bottas to now try and uh, get his motivation back. Because now, what is he going to do in Japan? The same thing is probably going to happen when he's in a position where he's leading the race and Lewis is behind him. Uh, he's probably going to have to make make way for Lewis and uh, mm. let him get in front. So as a driver, how do you sort of recover from that? I, it's very hard for Valtteri. I really feel for him. 
I I hope that uh, he does come back and he doesn't lose his motivation. But I I I think I think Ross Brown and and the entire team at Liberty they really need to look into this and um, uh, along with Charlie Whiting and the FIA and try and sort out this whole thing with team orders because it just doesn't look nice. It didn't look nice. um but um 10 10 12 years ago when the whole Schumacher Barrichello incident happened I was just going to say I was just going to say it's funny you say that because Ross Brown and John Todd were quite the big decision makers on that move as well but yeah that's true so like may, I said. don't know if maybe they're the right people to to do this but uh yeah. end of the day you know you have to think about the fans as well right uh, it's and I and, agree. Then, and to I be honest agree. When you have a track like uh, Sochi, where you literally you can't follow, it's hard to overtake cars. Um, you know, there's one bit of racing that is possible, and you want to cut that out as well. I I don't know why why what fans are paying the money for then. It's it's and I, I could see it at the end of the race as well. There was literally there was no atmosphere. There was no cheering. The only cheering that happened was when uh, Paul Deresta uh, went to Vettel to do his post-race interview. Uh, and that's when there was actually some cheers from the crowd but otherwise yeah, uh, there's absolutely no atmosphere and it was completely damp and uh, it doesn't not really a, a spectacle for for formula 1 not a very good advertisement for formula 1 either and i was quite hey. disappointed in in toto wolf and the rest of the guys at mercedes yeah and also i think um toto wolf came on um, on to sky sports and spoke to the crew And I was listening to that broadcast and he was saying how that you know what he felt gutted as well and he felt deflated but at the same time um he realized that he had to be practical and rational. And I think that also really irked me when he said the word rational because I feel rationality went out the window when you when you're looking into a sport like Formula 1. I mean, you're you're defying rationality and practicality and reality. in terms of technology in terms of driving pedigree in terms of a lot of extreme aspects of the sport um, which is at its pinnacle so i think to say that we, we wanted to curb racing instinct for rational reasons i get it i get i get the rationale behind it quote unquote but uh, it almost didn't really sit well with me either because uh, the sport is philosophically in my opinion designed to just test the limits absolute limits and then go beyond it in terms of technology motorsport racing whatever you want to call it and then at that point to bring rationality and practicality into it yeah that was uh that further made me question um you know formula 1 and FIA's move to have team orders and kind of consider some a different route i don't know what it is maybe maybe uh, in terms of switching positions it's a driver to driver conversation alone and the team has to go beyond it if in case it has to be something you know i kind of like going back to uh, the tour de france or you know going back to some bicycling uh, competitions where i think uh, you know it's the cyclists who make the decision if they have to help their team Uh, so I think maybe something like that on track where the team is completely out of it or maybe just not have it at all maybe just ban radio all together and let the drivers decide for themselves yeah uh, I don't know what the options are but let's see let's see this this one definitely doesn't sit well but well, I mean it's quite simple you give uh, you give the team a penalty or, or you deduct some points championship points from the team if there are team orders um mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, you give so many penalties for changing engines when engines aren't reliable, for changing gearboxes, uh, and so on. Why not penalties for team orders as well? 
I mean, it's quite clear, even if you have a situation where, uh, like how we did um, a few years ago when Fernando and Felipe were racing and Ferrari came on to the radio to Felipe mm-hmm. and said, Felipe, Fernando is faster than you. And quite clearly, Felipe Massa slowed down to the extent that Alonso could go back. And so the data is available for, for FIA, for Charlie Whiting and the stewards to to see that there's obviously clearly been an order here. Um, mm-hmm. for where, where a car slowed down to allow a driver to go past and I think at that point they need to come in and, and hand a penalty and so that to ensure that this doesn't happen um, to, yeah. to, to, to in, in racing anymore it's it, it, yeah. it's I guess that's not hard to implement yeah it? it's not you know a strategist or, or the boss of the team shouldn't be the one who's who gets to sit on the pit wall or in the garage and come on the radio and tell decide on the outcome of the race uh, that should be done ideally between the drivers who are battling it out on track in in very equal cars, very equal conditions, uh, and that's how it should be decided. And that's the whole point. And not not someone who's who's not racing and not in the car and not um, in those conditions. So, of course, Valtteri Bottas will understand. Lewis Hamilton will understand, um, and so on. But I, I I'm not happy. I, I I don't like what's happening to the sport. Of course, I didn't like it when it happened with Schumacher and Barrichello. Um, yeah, and I was a diehard Schumacher Ferrari fan back then, and even I was like, "Oh, God, this is not good." Yeah, so I, I think I think they really need to look into this, into team orders, um, and and let just let uh, make sure that this doesn't happen, and make it equal. Let it be equally competitive, and uh, let let the drivers race. If they take each other out, they take each other out. But then you decide internally how you're going to do it. Um, you decide on appropriating blame and uh, how you're going to, if you want to punish your drivers because they raced each other, um, you decide how you want to do it. But uh, imagine, imagine in uh, the late 80s and early 90s, if Ron Dennis was to come on and uh, give team orders to Ayrton Senna and Alain Prost. Oh, good Lord. Oh, good Lord. No. <laughs> we, we, would have been deprived, we would have been deprived of one of the greatest racing rivalries. Uh, sure, we were too young to, to to probably remember that, but from all that we've heard and read and seen the footage and everything, um, we know what a great rivalry it was. But oh, absolutely! I mean, history speaks for itself, doesn't it? Exactly, and uh-huh. you'd have been we would have been deprived of of such a great rivalry um, between two teammates. So. I, I, I think they really need to look into this further and to try. And it's a great point you make, actually, Gautam. I mean, the the, the point of rivalry. Uh, arguably, the rivalry for this season is Vettel versus Hamilton, two four-time world champions. You know, going at it. And if you if you notice, um, despite the error, the lockup that made Lewis Hamilton pass Sebastian Vettel, Vettel was actually pulling some really fast sector times in that in that window. And he was actually gaining on Hamilton. So, uh, and Hamilton did have a flat spot as well. So at that point, it was almost like Valtteri Bottas shielded Hamilton to a point where he kind of nullified the rivalry and you know the one-on-one fight between two world champ, four-time world champions. So it goes back to that point: is like you know what, like racing is all about seeing two multiple world champions fight at it, and and see how that goes, how that plays out. But then to have team orders come into play and then completely nullify that moment is also quite wrong. So great point on that. I think you're absolutely correct. We, there's something needs to be done because back in the day, that was never going to be a, a question. No, not really. So on that note, uh, on that note, uh, one question for you, Gotham. 
And this is where I think the Russian Grand Prix completely failed me. I don't think I saw any auto rickshaw driver moments, man. No, Did you? I don't really. Even our usual <laughs> okay, suspects uh, didn't really do much. Well, maybe Kevin Magnussen for holding up Sebastian Vettel. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Ignoring really the blue flags. Yeah. I think that's the only uh, auto rickshaw moment that uh, really comes to mind. Absolutely. I mean, we could be completely harsh about the whole situation and give it to the end to Toto Wolff for team orders. Oh, actually, I like that. <laughs> okay, great. Let's do that. The auto rickshaw driver of the weekend goes to not the driver, but the team principal of Mercedes, uh, which is Toto Wolff for um, killing racing by putting team orders in place and letting uh, Lewis Hamilton pass Valtteri Bottas. I think that was uh, stupid. Not fun. Still, still sour about it. So uh, let's give it to him. <laughs> um, speaking of which, um, the next race coming up is one of your favorites. I know that's uh, definitely the case, which is the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, Excited for Suzuka? Can't wait. And apparently, given the the weather situation right now in in uh, Eastern Asia, maybe we're in for a wet race. Uh, yeah, apparently there's some typhoons hitting. Yeah, it'd be interesting racing. to see if if Hamilton what he can do because we saw his brilliant lap which I still think is one of the best ever qualifying laps in Formula 1 um, from last year in, in Suzuka and uh, that's true to me it's, it's it's one of the best laps I've ever seen in, in qualifying and uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Hamilton can go even better uh, this year round yeah. I mean it's, it's safe to say that I think also the fact that Mercedes now have the advantage in terms of the car as well. I mean, if Ferrari had that going for them, that got wiped out this weekend. So, unless Ferrari come up with some major upgrades and bits and pieces to um, um, to give them a bit of a boost, I think it's again advantage Mercedes. I don't think uh, Ferrari have used all their three engines, so they're not going to get an engine upgrade. But um, yeah, unless uh, in the next four days or three days, Ferrari come up with a new upgrade. Um, I think once Mercedes have, has the stronger car as well, it's almost like deja vu from uh, last year, isn't it, Gotham? I mean, it's just crumbled. It's just gone completely astray. Well, I said it. Ferrari. I said it before. Mercedes have just I said it, capitalized. I said it before. I said it uh, after the previous episode as well, or during the previous episode as well, yep. that uh, for me, the turning point really was Hockenheim, where, Hockenheim, where for Ferrari sure. let it yep. slip and Vettel took his eye off the ball and crashed and... Um, completely handed the momentum to to Hamilton at that point and um, it's you talk about upgrades but you know to Ferrari really need upgrades they have they have the best car on the grid they need to cut out on the mistakes which uh, they're just not able to do uh, there's always um, one mistake with the other which is which really ruins their, their entire weekend mm-hmm. so uh, this is this is something that uh, I need to look at and uh, also what uh, David Croft mentioned during today's race um, was that Hamilton has finished either in P1 or P2 over the last seven races uh, and That's great. That's insane. he's in the form of his life and uh, uh, it's going to take something really special and a mighty mighty effort from Ferrari and, and Vettel to, to try and top that um, whether it's a question of too little too late we'll have to wait and find out but uh, I, I, I It'll be interesting to see how how um, Hamilton approaches the the Japanese Grand Prix because uh, let's be honest, just like how it was Vettel's title to lose uh, in July, uh, it's now Hamilton's title to lose. 
uh, in all in all honesty. That's a good point. Well, on that note, let's bring on Suzuka. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll see you after the next weekend. Until then, uh, have a fantastic week and uh, take care. Bye.